<laughs> Can you guys hear me? Yes. <laughs> this for Zoom also. Is this also going to be on the podcast? Okay. <laughs> a few things to know. This is my first cup of coffee for the day. So mercy, mercy and grace from you guys. Um, second thing is, I like to teach on stuff that I don't know well myself. This was really informative for me. And I think that like, that's kind of just my teaching style. It's just to like, lead you guys into whatever I happen to be learning and it, it's worked so far. And so I'm going to keep doing that. And the third thing is that I like themes on all of my PowerPoints. And uh, there's actually a really cool uh, PowerPoint set that was probably better for your education. And I wanted to do this instead. So we're going to talk about... COPD. Got a leg. Oh, there it is. Live COPD. <laughs> uh, yes. Right. Yeah. I thought so. This is perfect because this is from Tulsa. Everywhere. You're like playing. Sorry, I was taking care of somebody as an intern, and I went up to the guy's room. He was like, "Oh, I'm doing a lot better." I had a, a guy who's kind of a celebrity come see me, and I was like, "Oh, who's that?" He's like, "Oh, you know that uh, Sean Larkin." And I was like, "Who?" He was like. Sean Larkin, he's on uh, Live PD. I was like, what's Live PD? And so anyways, here I am talking about it. <laughs> I had to go look it up. Um, something else I was gonna say. Oh yes, the whole the whole purpose, why, why I went with this theme. Anyways, it was really because I wanna have like a live segment where we, we talk about patient education. And if you get like nothing else out of this, I want you guys to understand like how to use inhalers because for me forever, that's been a huge gap in my knowledge. I'll prescribe inhalers. I have no idea how to use them. I don't know what they look like, you know? Um, and so I really, I really want to spend a lot of time talking about here's how you use these inhalers and here's how to talk to your patients about how to use these inhalers. And I think that once you know that, it's going to make you feel a lot better. And maybe you guys know all of the stuff already and this is just a waste of time, but I'm going to go through it anyways. Okay, so I only have three objectives and I hope that we get close on them. I want to get like a, I want you guys to master a practical treatment of COPD. It's something that, you know, the gold guidelines are kind of the gold standard, right? For how you treat COPD, how you diagnose it. And it's like 170 something pages. And so I just condensed it all for you guys in this 45 minute talk. And so you'll just have to trust me. But if you want to confirm anything, most of everything I talk about is in the gold stuff. Um, and I try to just make everything super practical because if I tried to get all of the nuances of here's what you inhaler you use in all of these different situations, it's just too much and you're never going to retain it. And so for you guys that are leaving next year and you're out on your own, I want you to just remember like, oh, so here's what I'm going to do on my next step. And I just want you to have a plan of action that you can go to and you know it's not necessarily wrong. Maybe it's a little bit more nuanced at times and you can pick that up as you get years of practice. I just want you to have a good solid plan for here's what we're going to do. Um, I have some cool resources uh, because one of the best things to know in medicine is how to look stuff up quickly. So I want to identify some references for you guys to look at in case you happen to forget some of the important stuff to talk about. And then finally, how to talk to patients and how to actually assess for things so that you can be an expert in COPD or at least in patient size. First, we're talking about breathing, and I really like that Dr. Ledbetter does all of the, um, <laughs> the spiritual things. This shouldn't be that controversial. I, um, <laughs> I'm, not going, I'm not going in depth, and Dr. Ledbetter, if you're listening, I really respect what you do. I'm just saying this is, this is not anything that should be difficult. Uh, <laughs> have you guys ever heard of the breath prayers? Yes. Okay. I hadn't. <laughs> and so um, spiritual disciplines are something I'm trying to include more in my, in my walk. And I think this is just so cool. So just a little backstory. There was a time when COVID first started and I happened to be on the, the COVID units and it was like kind of scary at first because we didn't know what all was going on. Or, you know. And, and my wife was pregnant. She was like 12 weeks and we were separated for a while just because we didn't know what would happen if I caught it. And there was days when we only had like a couple of days of PPE. And so we didn't ever know if I was going to get it. Anyhow, um, it was just a really lonely time. And so I just remember going for walks and just trying to get outside. I was just praying like, God, I'm just so thankful that I have these breaths. Because I had stared at people all day who just weren't able to breathe. And um, so it was really refreshing for me to just go and be like, ah, 
Oh God, I'm thankful. I don't know how long this is going to last, but I'm thankful that I can breathe right now. And um, so that's kind of what I want to talk about. You know, COPD is one of those things that can just really get people down. It can really cause a lot of depression, anxiety whenever people can't breathe. And so I really just want to take a minute and I just want to, I want you guys to just like take some deep breaths. Let's not spread COVID in this room. And so um, <laughs> it's too late now. But anyway, <laughs> we'll just, uh, just take some deep breaths in. And the way the breath prayer works is, this is like the traditional Jesus prayer. You just take your breath in, you say part of a verse, and you breathe out and see the other part. So this would be like, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Really taking deep breaths in and out. You could even just shorten it down to like, Jesus, or whatever it is that you were just wanting to really tap into. So um, this works with all sorts of verses. This is just a kind of a specific one, this traditional desert mothers that used to do this. But I think it's something that there's really stressful times in residency. And this is just a good skill to know about, that you can just take some deep breaths, just kind of covering anxiety and prayer at the same time. So I'll just give us a minute. You guys can just do this however you'd like to. cover much of this you guys know what copd is and it's not the purpose of my talk but just to point out one is etiology when you're talking about copd you know, a lot of times people come in and they don't know that they have it we know that they have it right because they smell like smoke like this big around um, and you can just tell when somebody's got copd and so that's just kind of good intuition that we have right we're looking for risk factors so people that smoke some things that you might not think about would be like uh, Especially in Oklahoma, sometimes people have like uh, stoves in their house that they heat wood with. And that's kind of a big risk factor. People that are exposed to smoke, those are things to think about that may not be at the top of your mind when you're thinking about is a COPD or not. Patho, patho uh, biology, pathology, whatever. Um, smoke causes damage to the lungs. You can get emphysema, you can get chronic bronchitis. Um, and the two things that I'm going to talk about over and over and over today are in that bottom left where it says, I guess it's bottom lines. Clinical manifestations, symptoms, and exacerbations. Symptoms and exacerbations. So when you think about COPD, I want you to like trigger yourself to think, what are the symptoms and what are the exacerbations? If you can remember those two things, you'll be able to figure out the treatment super easy. So I was going to talk about PFTs a little bit, but it sounds like Dr. Yoon killed it. And you guys are already like experts at this stuff, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. So, um, symptoms. We all know this stuff. Progressive dyspnea. That's the thing. Progressive dyspnea. Uh, chronic cough and then chronic sputum production. So it doesn't have to be like the white frothy. Sometimes it's colored, sometimes it's not. And it's going to change and the amount's going to change. But just over time, are they getting more short of breath? Are they coughing all the time? Are they having some sputum production? That's what keys you in to think. It's probably COPD. But you really need spirometry to make the diagnosis formally. We know that. None of our patients hardly do it. But um, I, I think that if we know why we need the spirometry, we might be a little bit more forceful about like, hey, you really need to get this because it's going to help me figure out what to do for you. Um, here's a cool video. I already sent it out to you guys, the PFT interpretation. Dr. Owsley watched it with me. And, uh, I've forgotten it in the meantime, so it was a good refresher for me as well. So I like algorithms, but not flowcharts. <laughs> um, 
I think that the whole thing about this is just know what, what guidelines you want to use. There's two different ones, right? So it's real briefly, there's gold and there's the American Thoracic Society. The ATS ones, I think are a little bit more complicated. Whereas the gold, if you just memorize the numbers, you should be good. It's a little bit different between the five and 18 year olds, but just look at the FEV one and the FEC. If it's less than 0.7, then you're moving down this other side and you're probably gonna look more towards like the FBC and the FEB1 to determine severity. Does everybody feel like kind of okay with that after listening to Dr. Yoon? Okay. Um, like I said, technically a gold is a bit more sensitive. And so the AAFP articles recommend using APS for people that are less likely to have COPD, not your typical, you know, older than 65 with symptoms. But just use gold. That's what I do. It's, it just gives you one thing, one less thing to remember. It's going to be fine. All right. And so once you're heading down that COPD pathway um, and you get the post-bronchodilator, FEV1 and FEC, and it's less than 0.7. And that's one thing I didn't realize was that whenever they do the spirometry, it's actually post-bronchodilator anyways. Um, that's how you get the diagnosis. So if that's less than 0.7, then the next thing you want to know is, okay, so I have an obstructive disorder. How severe is it? And that's what the gold one through four is. It's how bad is the airflow obstruction? So the EV1 is how much air they can get out in one second. And if you think about COPD, those people aren't really able to like very well, right? And so it's going to get worse as their disease progresses. Uh, this is basically mild, moderate, severe, and very severe or severely severe or whatever it is. I think it's very severe. Um, you don't necessarily need to know that. But I do kind of want you to know the next little box. I think it's helpful. <coughs> uh, I hate that box though. I don't know. Um, see my next one. Ah, here. Okay, yes. This is not helpful. Who does this? Who puts A on the bottom left? Do we ever look at a, a box like? No, we don't ever do that. <laughs> so I'm just a little frustrated with why can't they just flip it up? I mean, why can't they put zero to one exacerbations up here? we could read it like normal people. I don't know. That's why I think this box has confused me for so long. But just uh, made my own. So, <laughs> this makes so much more sense to me. That's why it's the Haney version. So two things to realize, okay? When you look at this box, it's not just numbers and um, letters. It's not that confusing. Over here is exacerbations. Over there is symptoms. And there's specific things that they had. And I just want you to remember like, one or less exacerbation, two or more, just like asthma, two, like kind of just goes with asthma. Waking up two or more nights a week, blah, 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 blah. Okay, so two or more, one or less, and then symptoms, are they controlled or uncontrolled? And we're gonna talk about exactly what that means. But basically, if their symptoms are controlled and they're not having exacerbations, then they're gonna be up in here. And we'll talk about what the treatments are on the next slide. If they're having quite a few exacerbations, but now their symptoms are controlled um, in the meantime, they'd be a gold C. But if they're having lots of exacerbations, lots of symptoms, they're gonna be a D, which is like the worst. And to me, that just makes more sense to look at it this way. So really, there's two questions when you're seeing people with COPD. I would remember these, it might come up later. It's not like you're being graded on anything that I'm doing here, but um, if you wanna look smart later, these are the things you should remember. Two questions, are you short of breath while you're walking on level ground or you walk slower than your friends? Like that's one, that's a question, okay? So that's like, the symptoms part. What are your symptoms? Um, and then the next question is, how many exacerbations have you had in the last year? Easy enough. Symptoms, exacerbations. So whereas the other chart had this MMRC zero to one, greater than or equal to two, I just made it to where the question you're going to ask is, if they're walking on, a, if they're getting short of breath while they're walking on a level ground, that's automatically a two. So it's automatically going to put you on the right side of the chart. If it's less than that, if they're like, no, I can walk five ways and I don't get short of breath, then they're on the left side of the chart. Just make things easy for you. So going with my theme, I've gotten little sirens for things I want you to remember. So, okay. Short of breath, walking on the level ground, slower than your friends, how many exacerbations you have in the symptoms, exacerbations. Okay, so let's talk about treatment. This is just kind of like the initial selection. So this is like if you have somebody that comes in, and you're trying to like rethink their, their treatment or you have somebody coming in and they have a new diagnosis or you really think they probably have COPD, 
you're going to think about like which category are they in? It's not something you need to necessarily keep going back to when you're adjusting treatment, but this is more of like a, I'm rethinking things or I'm adjust or I'm just starting therapy. So people that have controlled symptoms and they really haven't had any exacerbations, it's okay to use short acting medicines. They help. They're not going to help anything long-term. They don't necessarily decrease exacerbations at all, um, which is the big thing. We want to control the exacerbations. They don't help with uh, FEV1. They don't help with exacerbations, but they're helpful in the moment and they might make people feel better in the short term. And that's totally fine to use. Like I have a guy who I'm pretty certain he's got Bola the size of bowling balls in his chest, but he just doesn't have any symptoms. And so we just use, give him some compliment. Um, that's, that's working for him. Next. Um, see, I have a slide here. Oh, I'm sorry. Really delayed. Okay. So B, if you remember on the appropriate chart in that corner. So people that are having uncontrolled symptoms, but not a whole lot of exacerbations, um, you can do a lava or a llama. Just do a llama. Just, just make it easy. Don't, don't, don't think about it. Unless there's a reason that people can't afford a llama, which would just be ridiculous to me. Just do a llama because llamas work better for exacerbations and you're just, you're just going to want it. Just do a llama. Okay. Next. Um, C. So if people have controlled symptoms, but they have exacerbations, they work better than llamas, like I just said. So you would use a llama. But if you're already on a llama, we can skip that step. Um, and then the next one, if people are having uncontrolled symptoms, they're having lots of exacerbations, you can do a lava and a llama combo, or you can just jump to the lava llama ICS. The actual chart has that you, you can also do a llama in group D, which just to me makes no sense if you can have a llama and B, C, and D, why even separate them? But mm -hmm. I think that if somebody's that bad, and start either a lava llama or a lava llama ICS. And we'll kind of talk a little bit about the nuance of when you'd want to do one versus the other. Is it making sense so far? Okay. I know I've said llama and lava a bajillion times. <coughs> it's not stopping. Abduct and adduct. Exactly. Induct, induct. Uh, okay. So this is kind of the, the chart that I want to show you guys for whenever you've already started a therapy and somebody's on it. And you're trying to think, what would I do next? Which this is like generally what we're going to be focusing on. Somebody's already on something um, and we're trying to figure out, okay, they're not working well on this. What are we going to do? Again, symptoms, exacerbations. It matters because it matters what treatment we're going to do. If people are just having symptoms, but they're not like having exacerbations where they're ending up in the hospital, needing to be on prednisone all the time, you're going to be on the left side of this chart. And all you really need to know is lava llama. Okay. You've already started them on a llama because you did the appropriate thing. You don't need to worry about switching from a llama to a llama. Just start them on a llama, and if they get worse, do llama llama. <laughs> did I right? It did. Okay. It just sounds ridiculous if I say it enough. Yeah. Okay. There is a bit of nuance with that. I'm not going to get into it. Just do llama llama. Um, you'll notice there if they're not having exacerbations. There's really never a point where they should be on inhaled corticosteroids. You're not advancing to Trelogy just because somebody's having exacerbations. This is where you really need to think like, is this the right diagnosis? I've got them on a lava long. They're having symptoms, but they're not having exacerbations. They're not needing steroids all the time. Um, make sure that the device is working appropriately, that they know how to use it. And that's where we're going to talk about here in a little bit. Um, and that you actually have the correct diagnosis. Did you say exacerbations? Are you talking about in the hospital? Or I guess tell me what you mean by that. So when I say exacerbations, like somebody comes in, they're wheezing, they're acutely hypoxic. You know, you're gonna you're gonna give them prednisone. Not just somebody that's like, man, I still have trouble walking down the block. You know, like there's there's those stable COPD people that are just chronically like, this guy's not needing a steroid pack, but his lung on the left side. Yes, that's the symptoms. This is a guy who's like, I just can't walk very fast. My friends all walk faster than me. If I, if, you know, if I walk to the end of the block, I'm short of breath, but I'm not like acutely worsened. Did I say something else? Okay. Okay. All right. Anyways. So yes, that's just like chronic symptoms. Exacerbations are like, this guy's acutely worse. He comes into the office, he's wheezing and hypoxic. They don't necessarily need to go to the hospital to have an exacerbation. Um, in fact, if you look at the bottom here, 
is talking about if you have two or more exacerbations or one hospitalization. So you can, you can have exacerbations that aren't in the hospital, they still count. But this is just like the guy that's not getting functionally better or getting worse potentially. Okay, so the other side's exacerbations. So you've started a monoloma already. You can go to a lava-lama, which is fine. Um, or if you look at this little star here, I think this is one caveat to know. If somebody, if you check the, the CBC and their eosinophils are pretty high, that fits more with like a reactive picture and they probably do better on an ICS, especially if they're doing uh, or having exacerbations. The big thing to take away from this is inhaled corticosteroids are helpful for exacerbations. If you're having exacerbations, you need the steroid. You're just having the symptoms, you, you can do without it because it may be more harmful than good. If you're having exacerbations frequently, or if you have somebody that's got a bunch of eosinophils that are kind of pointing you towards like a reactive thing, then the inhaled corticosteroid is, you're going to add that at some point. And we know that we don't do LAMA and ICS. So that's why it goes down the chart to LAMA plus ICS, okay? So this would look like you have a guy that comes in, you start him on Spireva, which is just a LAMA. He's like, yeah, um, you know, my symptoms got a little bit better, but now he's got an exacerbation because whatever reason. So you give him a steroid pack, comes back a month later, have another exacerbation. You're probably gonna wanna up that guy because he's having exacerbations. And you would consider a lava plus ICS, especially if you knew on a CBC, because you'd know to look at that now and you see that there's quite a bit of you know, cinephils and you know that there's probably some reactive process. So if you wanna help exacerbations, add the ICS. <clears throat> and you leave them on that. Leave them on it, yeah. But you see those little green double arrows. If if they get better, <coughs> coming off of it. Yeah. But you'd want to leave them on it until they get stabilized, and then potentially over. Um, and there's other things we're going to talk about: vaccinations, home rehab, all the stuff that you're working on in the meantime. That's not just pharmacologic. Um, I, I I spell this out a little bit on the next slide, I think. And so I'm not going to get too much into the nuance just yet. But notice at the bottom exacerbations, if they're still having exacerbations, they're on Trilogy already. Um, then there's other things like Dalaresp, which is the, that is for people with severe COPD, where you remember the gold A or gold one, two, three, four, that's for people that are three or more. So if your FEV1 is low and you have chronic bronchitis, Dalaresp would probably be a good addition for people that are having exacerbations on Trilogy. I didn't know that when I started, yeah. Is there any place for leukotriene inhibitors? In this? Not in this, no, but for asthma, yeah, for sure. I think it's definitely something to consider if you think that people are having allergies and it's contributing. You know, there's definitely, if you look at the gold guidelines, there's a slide that I didn't put up here, but there is this asthma COPD overlap and it's like Simbacort, the lava ICS, that's helpful in those people. And so would the leukotriene. Okay, um, other things, Alaresp, plus or minus the azithromycin. So you want people that aren't currently smoking. Um, but the problem with using azithromycin is that people have hearing impairment with it and you get antibiotic resistance, obviously. So at this point, if people are on Trilogy and they're still, they're gonna be with Paul. I mean, I think they're gonna be doing a lot of this stuff, but some of us are gonna be practicing is where there's not gonna be a good pulmonologist or your patient's just not gonna go. And I think we've all experienced that. So here's my practical approach. Um, start to start with a llama because they are better than llamas. It's just one less thing to remember. But if you're having problems with dyspnea, people that are just having the symptoms, then you just do a lava llama. Lava, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just remember that. Llama, llama, llama. You're on a llama and you're having exacerbations, or if you have really high eosinophils, so something that's reactive, what do you guys think is going to be on there? ICS. Yes. Yeah, then you're going to want the ICS part. Lava ICS. Lava ICS, yep. So, exacerbations, you're going to want the steroid. If it's just symptoms, you're just going to want the, um, to add the therapy. Not a lava lava. Yes, question. So, there, so, if your dyspnea is okay, but you're having exacerbations, you stop the llama and switch to a lava and an ICS? That's what you're saying. <laughs> you switch the therapy if they're having? Yes. Not added, not in addition to? Right. Or if your symptoms are worse and you're having exacerbations, 
I think I'd still, I'd still go down here and add the steroid because the exacerbations is the big thing. That's the thing that the ICS is gonna help you with. Okay, so if you're on the llama lava, exacerbations, word exacerbations, I'm just gonna do llama lava ICS. I'm just gonna say trilogy for short. Yes, sir. So if you never do llama ICS, what's the packet with no idea. Okay. No idea. Um, I don't know if there's just not good studies about it, but there's no llama ICS combos. Right. I heard a lecture and the guy said never to do it. <laughs> I'm just going. I'm just passing on what I've learned from to you guys. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm sure, Dr. Rylander knows. I don't know. <laughs> That's a good question, though. Uh, next. So if you're having exacerbations and you're already on trilogy. We talked about, and that's when you consider LRS, which is a pill. Oh. What's that? Uh, yes. Daily. I believe it's daily. Okay. So this is like my practical approach. I just keep saying this, but I'm going to say it again. Symptoms, exacerbations. <clears throat> Seeing exacerbations just in your mind, I want it to stick. Like, he said ICS a bajillion times for exacerbations. Okay, so I just put this in here because this is in the gold guidelines. Um, if just the first point is the big one. When you're, you're, you're giving a treatment by the inhaled route, which is exactly the only thing we're talking about, basically, <laughs> the importance of education and training and inhaler device technique cannot be overemphasized. I have no idea anything about inhalers. I always said, ask the pharmacist, they'll know. Uh, but there's lots of really good short videos on YouTube. And there's a really cool resource I'll show you later that you can watch with the patient. Um, and I think that after having prepared for this lecture, I had a patient just early last week, they came in and was like, I think I'm just getting worse. And I need to start on something. It's like, I, I tried this other inhaler, it didn't work. And, I had him explain how he used it. And then I was like, well, I think you should try this type of inhaler. I felt like a really good doctor. And then insurance didn't cover it. <laughs> but I was more than just like, oh, let's just try this other one and see how it works for you. I had a plan. That's what I want for you guys. So all that to say, I think that we could probably all use some, some inhaler demos. Um, is there anybody that feels like pretty comfortable with inhaler usage and is it just me? Because I feel like an idiot a lot of times. Do you feel like pretty comfortable? That's good. Well, I had one. So I had one. Okay. Yeah, I had one. Well, you people that had one. <laughs> I, uh, I did the St. Francis thing and I did the education and I, I felt like I knew it and then I just got dumb again. So I just put this up here to show like, this is like what our patients are looking at, right? We'll send in uh, Spireva and there's different types of Spireva. Um, so which one are we going to prescribe? Probably whichever one shows up green on EMR, you know, um, but I think that just being familiar with several of these and kind of like, what are the patients going to have? What are the benefits and what are the benefits of some of these? I think it'd be really helpful. And I don't want you to memorize all of these, but I do think it's important to memorize like two or three, uh, probably each group or like the different types. It's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to make you better. So, so there's different kinds. There's there's a couple of different kinds that I, I'm going to go over here. If you just break them down into like the inhaler ones, the one the typical albuterol, you know, you shake it up and you that one. I'm not going to cover those because you don't know how to use those basically. Um, but this is the dry powder inhaler. So this is a majority of what describing that the patients are struggling with. I think. So there's single dose inhalers. If you hear the patient talk about. Oh, they had one. I had a little pill that I had to put inside the cartridge and then you break it up. That's what those are. The handy inhaler. That's the one on the left. And the neo inhaler is the one on the right. So they get little blister packs. They have to put the pill inside of there. And then if you see those little tabs on the side of those, you have to squeeze that to break it up. And then they, but you have to inhale really quickly. So the way these work, all of these essentially is you have to take a deep breath in without you have your cartridge ready and then once your lungs are completely exhaled you go you have to breathe fast and you have to breathe pretty forceful with the dry powder inhalers to try to get it out of the device into your into your lungs 
and you hold your breath for 10 seconds or as long as you can. So 10 seconds or as long as you can. For some people like this guy that I had, he had the discus right here. And he was like, I just can't breathe very quickly. It wasn't getting the full dose. And I can imagine that some people have struggled with that. Or if you have the discus and you're like, oh, I just can't, you know, you can't breathe fast enough to get the, the drug where it's supposed to go. And there's the next slide, I'll talk about something that we should consider switching to. But whenever you you know, there's a bajillion different inhalers. If you can remember that these are like the dry powdered ones, the um, flex inhaler, the discus, the twist inhaler, I've never seen that, um, the ellipta, which is a really common one that you guys should memorize because we use that one all the time. Um, press air and the respiclick, those are all dry powder inhalers. So just in general, they need to kind of breathe pretty quickly to get this where it's supposed to go. Next, so these are the rest of Matt inhalers. I always thought that was a really cool name. I didn't know what they did, uh, but this is what I tried to switch that guy to. So um, I had a link to a YouTube video. I, I didn't put it in here, but there's, uh, if you look up Respimat inhaler, there's some cool instructions. And uh, essentially what you do is the bottom of these, they turn, so every time you turn it, it's loaded and it goes through a, a breath. And whenever you push that button at the top right here, uh, it just shoots out the mist for like a second or however long it is. And then whenever you want to use it again, twist the bottom till it clicks, push the button and it just expels it. So you don't have to worry about really getting the, the lung capacity to breathe it in. And it's really good for people who have trouble getting that deep breath. Um, the problem is that you know, it may not necessarily be covered by insurance. So they should be, especially if you can do a prior auth, if like this patient just can't use your other inhalers, I would go to Matt and say that this guy should probably have a respomat. And now that I know that, I'll probably need an inhaler. I don't feel like you could take a deep breath. Um, so these are all the ones that have respomat. I tried to get one of these. I called every company that makes all of the inhalers and only two sent me inhalers. And they were all like, yeah, we'd love to do it. This one didn't. Okay. What did you tell them? What's that? What did you tell them when you called them? I said I wanted a demo inhaler so I could show residents. And they were like, oh. <laughs> yes. Do you know where the, the, the shoots out? Is it the top or is it the yeah. side? Yeah. Okay. So inside here is a little cartridge. You can kind of see the top of the cartridge right here. Right. So, yes, inside here is a little tiny cartridge. They're not this big in real life. Although that would. That would you put the cartridge in there and then you put the base back on and you twist the base and then up here is the mouthpiece oh, so it's just mouthpiece. yeah that's the mouthpiece up there that little lid flips open and you can see a little tab and then you push this and it clicks it spells it for like a second and then i mean it's, just, it's the same thing deep breath in out put your lips around it push the button slow breaths. You don't have to like breathe in quickly when you're doing this one. Slow breaths, hold it for 10 seconds or as long as you can. Yep, they all kind of have the same basic steps as far as breathing in, breathing out, breathing in slowly, breathing in fast if it's the, the, the dry powder one, and then holding your breath. If you can remember that. Okay, but this, this is super blurry. I thought it was a good idea, but uh, anyways, <laughs> this is on up to date and it's not as blurry and they just have the different inhalers in each category. So this is, don't strain, it's, it's not your eyes. It's definitely the slide. Uh, if you look in up to date, there's, there's this uh, graph, I think it's just under the heading stable COPD. And it talks about initial pharmacotherapy and they have all of these on there. So if you're just thinking, oh, I forgot what the llama lava was, just look at this chart. <laughs> Okay, so up oh, there's that little siren again. This is stuff I want you guys to remember. All of this necessarily, but I, I'm just going to take some time and just let you guys just breathe this in for a minute. <laughs> Here's some different inhalers. I didn't include them all, I include the ones that I've heard of or that I have prescribed. Um, event. Right. Use that for people with COPD all the time. It is a respimat. So I remember the first time I had a patient that was like, hey, hand me that inhaler. I was like, what is this thing? I have no idea how to use it. 
and just uh, you know, just confidently handed it to him. Here you go. Here's your thing, sir. Um, so that's for people in group A or people that just need that burst. You can totally use Comavent for people that are on other therapies just for rescue therapy, but you wouldn't do it and expect long-term improvement, right? I think we all understand that. Um, Lava, you so choose to remember that. In your memory, I have no hard feelings about that, but there's two different types here. Cinevent, I've heard of that one. It's a discus. It's a, it's a dry powder inhaler, a lot like Adbear has one similar. And Stroverity is a Respomat. <clears throat> the Llama ones, so these, just pay attention to these especially because these are going to be the ones that you guys should probably start out on. There's two types of Spireva. There's a handy inhaler. Remember, that's the single dose. So that's the one where you're going to have to tell the patient, oh, you got to put a pill in there and you're going to have to crush it up and take a deep breath. Or if they can't do that one very well, there's a Respomat. That's for the people who struggle to get the dry powder inhalers to work. And in crews, that's the one we have at the hospital. It's the ellipta. You've probably seen those too. Those are the ones that have some of these. What's the rest of that? Did you have trouble getting insurance to cover? Yes, but I don't know if I did it right. I went straight to Mama Lava. And I think that what I should have done is probably just done with Mama. Respomat initially, and I went straight. I kind of like tried to jump it because I thought I was smart. But no, I think that if I went straight to spirea, I probably would have been better. Yeah. Is it a decision between respomat preference, or is it respomat sometimes covered? Is it, is it an expense thing, or what, what's what's the decision point? I don't know. I just I know in my experience, like with just a couple of people that I've tried to do the respomat, it's just a little bit more expensive. And I don't know. I don't know. But I'm just telling you guys this so you can like do what's right for patients. So sometimes we have to do prior offs. We have to explain why. And this would be why if your patient just can't use one of the dry powder inhalers. So Lamas, remember Spireva and Cruz. Spireva is pretty straightforward. These are your, your starting ones. You should need to be pretty familiar with these. So what I just passed out was the Ellipta. So there's a Noro, there's Infrus. The trilogy one, those are all elliptas. So I used to think like ellipta was some special thing, but it's just the inhaler device. I never knew that. We don't put a pill in here. You just open it, the pill's there. And yeah, so. <laughs> so these elliptas, as soon as you open that top, there's a dose in. So you don't want to be like just. There's wasting doses. Yeah, it's like I think that I don't know the mechanism, but I think there's just like a little wheel in there whenever you open it, the next dose up. Yeah. I want to pass these out. So the way these work, guys, is when you have the elliptus, you open the cap, the dose is ready. So don't have a patient like face it and take a deep breath in and out because they might, there's a little powder in there and they could blow it everywhere. So Away, you're gonna hold it to where it's like pointed at your mouth. Caps open, dose is ready. Deep breath in, out, hold it. And once you put the cap on, you're done. Um, discus one. So yeah, this is why I want us to be familiar with just like a few because these are the ones that are kind of confusing and that I didn't know about. The discus, so that's Cerevent, that's Advair. It's probably another one. Uh, anyways, the way this one works, there's a cap that you flip open and you still haven't put the dose in. Once you flip the cap open, it's going to move this mouthpiece in the front. And underneath here, if you imagine when you flip this up, there's a little tab. You pull that tab and it's ready to go. So this one's kind of got like a little, little safety trigger. You open it and then you have to pull the tab over and then that's ready to go. Same thing. You get that one ready to go. Breath in, out, quick. Back on. Yes, sir. If I click it multiple times at once, so I get. You don't get. You don't get more doses. You don't get more doses. It's like an FSA. It just doesn't roll. Yeah. If you just like, yeah, just click it twice. Take two at uh, once. No, no, no. You can't cheat the system. You got to take multiple breaths. You do just waste doses if you do that. You know how some people just, it's not a fidget toy, you know, you might just be wasting it. <laughs> <laughs> wasting it. It's it's very it is a fidget toy, it's just a really expensive one. Very expensive fidget toy. 
Um, so if you'll notice the end crews, the ellipses that I pass back to you guys, I don't know what happens whenever they go to zero. Hopefully they restart. There's a demo on handers, you know. <laughs> Anyways, on these, they will go to zero and not restart. But they actually have the, the numbers that's left. This one has a little tab that every time you twist it, there's like a little meter on the side that kind of ticks up. And once you hit to the red zone, you have about 30 doses left. <laughs> And that's whenever that patient's like, oh, it's on the red. You should get a new, time to get a new one. Doesn't mean it's out. It just means that you're on E. You've got to go to the pharmacy. Okay. So let's talk about, yeah, let's talk about the respimens. Um, does everybody feel kind of okay with that? I wish I had one to show you just so you could like twist it. But it, it's literally just like this little cylinder about this big. The base here, it just twists and it'll just keep twisting. But every time you do it, it just loads a dose. And then you pop the cap open, button that's right under here, and it just that's the same thing too. You can't do a really short epi at a time. Exactly. Just one dose at a time. How does it prevent that from happening? Thank you. Uh, well, I assume that whenever you twist it, it probably just, I think whenever you twist it, it triggers this to pop back out so you can push the dose. So I, I don't know if you can twist it without pushing that button in. Something I don't know. That's why I wanted a, a demo one. Yeah. But I, these other ones, I think they just have like wheels in them. And once it clicks, it, whether it's used or not. It's not like there's one chamber that it pops it into. I think it's just like pretty loaded and it just turns it every time. So if you miss it, it just moves down. It's just gone forever. Maybe if you're lucky and you just keep doing it, maybe it'll come back. <laughs> okay, so big things. Start with Spireva or Encruz. Spireva has a Respimat, Encruz is just the ellipta. That's all you remember. So really cool with that. Just know why you would want to do one versus the other. The dry powder inhalers are fine for most people. Some people just may not be able to use them very well. Okay. Yes, sir. Is this just your statement? The worse your COPD is, the less likely you could use a dry powder anymore? Uh, no, not necessarily. I think so. It doesn't affect your velocity of inspiration. I don't think so. This guy just had trouble. I don't, I don't think it's a problem for everybody that gets in stage because, like I said, Trilogy is an ellipta. And that's one that we use for people that are really bad. Right? Yeah. I think that there may be a point where people just feel like they can't take a deep breath in if they have really bad emphysema disease or a lot of bullet or something. And they just really, you know, those people that are already barrel chested and they, they can't get that breath in. They get in, they just can't pull it out. Yeah. yeah well, <laughs> it's not really, really weak and like. Yeah, there's some people that you're like. You know, you just know. That's a fair point. There are some people that are just like in the grave, you know, <laughs> still have COPD and uh, a respimab probably good for those guys. Yes, I don't. I don't know that there's any hard, fast rules or truths to it. I just think that you're going to see that patient here and be like, I don't know that that patient can take a deep breath. That's when a respimat's really helpful. Or if the patient just can't coordinate, like there's just some people that just aren't very good at coordinating things, you know. Or I guess all you have to do is breathe, you know. Right. <laughs> good at breathing, and if they're not, try a respimat. That'll help. Okay, moving on. This is a super important. You guys know how to use these, but this is one of the companies that sent me one. Here you go. Super cool. I do say so myself. But, um, it's not overly helpful to have these. It is what it is. It's a uh, Simbacort is one of the meter dose inhalers. That's like the typical one you think about. You got to shake it for about six seconds, then breathe out. Put it in your mouth. You don't have to breathe in rapid with these though. Just kind of steady. Steady is the key on the meter dose inhalers. You know what makes the meter dose inhalers better is spacers. Yeah. They showed this. There's one video I watched and they're like, oh, they're really compact. And it shows this kid running around on the playground and it's just like hanging out of his pocket because they're like this big around. Um, anyways, he looked cool with it. Uh, especially for kids. I, I didn't know how to use a spacer either, so I'll just I'll just go over that for the people that may not know either. And anything? Yeah, you put so you put the spacer on. Breathe in, breathe out. Puff it. 
you don't like I I thought at one point you're supposed to put two puffs in and then you just took like six breaths and you're good. Maybe that's an alternate way to do it. I don't know. But that's not the way they teach to do it. You're supposed to just do one puff at a time. Deep breath in, hold it for 10 seconds or as long as you can, breathe out away from the device. And then if you need another one, wait 15, 20 seconds and then do it. Harmonica. All right. There you go. I was hoping I had more, but I, I don't have any. Any other cool samples? A respa mat would be really nice, or a discus would be really nice to have. Don't ever purchase from these companies that didn't send me free thing. Um, yes. Yes. I was with Dr. Boyles just last month, and she said that with an inhaler, with a spacer, sorry, for kids, you have them take like a, you do it six times. Is the, the breath? So, so do you just have them puff once? Once and then six breaths and then puff. Totally cool. Yeah, I think that's the way St. Francis taught too. If you look at like the actual education, the videos and stuff, they just say take a deep breath. I think for kids, it might be hard for them. So I'm totally fine with that. But I thought you're supposed to like put both pumps in and express. Don't do that. Yeah, I think that's totally appropriate. I trust Dr. Will. Is there expirations between the inspirations? Oh, yeah, I would just do steady. Breathe out away from You don't want to breathe into the device necessarily. You want to breathe out away from it. You just have them leave it on there for six seconds or six breaths. I think so, yeah. yeah. We're, yeah. we're off the guidelines at this point. Um, if it were me, I think I'd tell people to breathe away and put it back up for another breath just so you're not just blowing it around. But it's the kid and six breaths and they keep the thing on the whole time. They probably get it. Yes. Um, okay. Pay attention to a couple of all the ICSs. So this is your Simba court. Since I don't think about the name, I was going to have two drugs. Advair, adding ICS. Yeah, that makes sense to me too. Rio, I don't know what that's about, but. Um, um, Simbacore is kind of nice because it's it's a meter dose inhaler. If they use a spacer, they're not going to have as much deposition in their mouth. But people know how to use those. I think most people would get get along with the Simbacore pretty well. It's probably cheaper now that I know what it's in. I haven't tried it in a while. Advair is usually my go-to. So the HFA is the one over there. It's got a little bit more like that's a, a little bit more powerful. It, it, expels it better with the HFA. It's got another chemical in there that helps shoot it out better. And the discus is the dry powder inhaler. And so Advair discus just goes together in my mind. It's probably from advertising on TV. Mm -hmm. But if you use the Advair discus, just know it's the dry powder inhaler. This clicks open. And another thing over here, this is ready. And then a lava llama. I didn't know any of these. I didn't know what class they were in anyways. Use these quite a bit at the hospital. They have a Noro. I've definitely used a Noro before somewhere. And then it's the Yolto is the Respimat version. For me, it was easier just to remember that they end in O and it's a Lava Llama. So the, you know, I'm telling Brio is throwing me off. I don't know. It's the Yolto, which is that's the one I actually tried to prescribe first for that guy and that didn't work. And then I tried another one, it didn't work either. Um, a Noro is one that we use, that's the Ellipta. Let's be remember that if you so choose. But I think the the lava llamas, there's that's one that we're going to start using probably more often after this lecture for me, anyways. Um, and so I I've kind of got these memorized. There's only a few. There's each one has a different device. That's really that's all of the lava llamas. Those are the three I put up there. I'm sure there's <laughs> there may be more. Hold on a second. Let's at least one more. So those over there, this is not an all encompassing chart, but only lose these three. Yeah, I, I didn't know that they were a thing that I should use, but they're totally a thing that you should use. You're on Spireva or Cruise, and they're having more symptoms, they're going up to like a Nora or Fielto. I don't care, like I didn't even list the drug names because it's just, it's just too much for me. Brand names is totally appropriate. Like that's what people call these. They're not going to say, "Oh, my glycopyrrolate." Uh, we're all. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And last thing, you all know Trilogy it has like try in the name almost. Yeah, that makes sense. That's all you remember. I don't care. Just know that it's a it's an ellipta. 
and um, if they need something because they can't use the elliptic very well or whatever, or if insurance is like, no, I'm not going to cover Trilogy, you can try this Brez tree. It's really not too much to remember. Trilogy is once when daily and Brez trees twice daily. And it should be three times a day because it has try in the name. Everything was perfect. I think uh, I prefer like trilogy stuck in my mind. I'm going to go with that every time. If insurance doesn't cover it or they can't do it, then I'll try breast treat. Okay. So a few notes about ICS inhalers. Um, they decrease symptoms, but like I've said a bajillion times, the big thing is exacerbations. Okay. They increase the risk of pneumonia. So that's why we don't just jump to trilogy every time because people um, can get pneumonia more frequently. There was a study statistically significant, you're just going to have to believe me. So if people are on it, like a lava ICS, like Simbricort, and they're doing well, you know, having exacerbations, try to de-escalate. I think that's another thing that we can add to our practice. Usually we're just like, we're just good, and then we touch them. But I think it's totally appropriate for people that don't need that corticosteroid to, to de-escalate. Rinse your mouth out after every use. That's another thing that came up in my office. Somebody called and was like, I tried that Advair, but my mouth got sore. And I was like, well, your mouth out. We'll try that next time. Um, and then uh, just a, a note, don't ever put somebody on COPD with like a flow vent or something. It's just ICS because it's just, don't do that. Never, never do it. Um, I, I was going to put the, the up-to-date has some cool articles that has like dosing and how often it is. I, like I said, you're just going to have to learn a few in each class and just know how often they are. It's going to take a little bit of time to practice. I think it's well worth your time. But up to date has some really cool tables if you need quick references. Okay, so additional considerations. I'm just going to go through this real quick. Vaccinations, pneumococcal pertussis, flu, COVID-19. It's a thing we got to do now. Not going away. Make sure that your people COPD get COVID-19 vaccinations. So I don't have to take care of them in the hospital. Um, Physical activity, that's wonderful. People need to be doing it. Pulmonary rehab, when should I refer my patients if they're in group B, C, or D? So that's basically everybody that has persistent symptoms or any kind of exacerbations should be in pulmonary rehab. Smoking cessation, oh, we all know that. Tell your people to stop smoking. And here's a cool thing. I often want to antitrypsin deficiency. So WHO recommends screening all people with COPD at least once. I didn't know that. I don't know how much it costs. <laughs> But I do know that WHO recommends it. Maybe we can put that in the ordering line and that'll cover it. I don't think so. So that's something I'm probably going to try for some people, especially like new diagnosis, or if it doesn't really make sense, it's not your typical person. I have a very low threshold to just order that alpha-1 antitrypsin. Mm -hmm. And COPD rescue packs, we have them in the clinic. They're a good thing for people to have. I don't do them. I need to get better at them. And that's why I bring this up here. We're all running together. Yes. For the rescue packs, do you mean like the action plan and then prescribing the medication? Yeah, it's like a folder that gives them, has information. Um, it's good if you can give them like, oh, if your symptoms are this bad, you're going to start the steroids. It gives them like a prescription of steroids and things. Yeah, it's good for those people to have. Asthma action. Mm -hmm. Yes. Usually it's like prednisone and like azithromycin. Exactly. Yeah. It's an antibiotic and steroid. Rodoxin. <laughs> COPD. So like when people are really bad, I know that we have poem here, but for those of us that may practice other places, yes, I'm not planning to leave. I'm just saying there's people. <laughs> uh, oxygen therapy. So it does prevent mortality in people that are severely hypoxic. Um, so that's people that are um, less than 88% on room air, right? Or those, if you happen to get an ABG, it's less than 55. Those are the kind of people that it's going to prevent mortality. Mortality, whatever. And then you want the oxygen to be greater than or equal to 90. There's always like this 88 to 92 goal is 90. Just says what it is. Okay, medications. As we talked about earlier, if somebody's on Trilogy already and they're having exacerbations, they're having too many exacerbations, you can consider Daliresp, PDE4 inhibitor. Um, the criteria to be on it though, is they have to have had at least one exacerbation in the last year, which I imagine is the reason that you'd want to start it, right? We're start it on people that are stable. But if people are still having exacerbations, you have to make sure they have severe COPD. So you really need spirometry to get this one going and they have to have chronic bronchitis. So that's like the inclusion criteria for people with dollar risk. 
Um, you can add azithromycin to that, and people that are former smokers um, really I'd probably leave that up to palm. My scope. That's probably not going to change my practice any, but um, it's something that you can do. And if people don't have chronic bronchitis but they're getting exacerbations on trilogy, you can just do azithromycin for people that aren't smoking currently. It doesn't have to be former smokers necessarily, just people that aren't smoking currently. We'll ever do a chronic oral steroid. Leave that to somebody else. Gold says don't do it. Surgery, so people that have bolectomies, lung volume reduction surgery for emphysema. Again, that's like pretty advanced stuff. They're probably seeing palm by that point. And then people that have like chronic hypercapnia, they can get um, non-invasive ventilation at home. The pulmonologist taught me once as well. You can actually calculate what we call boat index to to actually evaluate um, the so prognosis basically to calculate prognosis or survival issue patient with advanced COPD and also sort of like determine whether the patient needed like lung transplant or not. Yeah, and they mentioned that in the guidelines. Yeah, it's like what body mass index, obstruction, dyspnea, and presence of emphysema or not. So yeah, so there's definitely things, and if if you end up taking care of other people, it'd be worth like actually looking at the gold pocket guide. Um, oh, that's my next thing. So there's a gold pocket guide. It's free online. It updates every year. You have uh, they tell you what's new from year to year too if you look for that. And this one's really cool. It's got the siren, the, the COPD pocket consulting guide. It's an app on your phone. Um, I got it. I used it for this lecture. And what it has on it is cool videos. So if you if you have a patient and you're starting them on a mat and show them how to use it instead of telling them to go to the pharmacist. There's this inhale, there's the inhaler education. It's got all the videos for every kind of inhaler on it. And they're like quick videos. It's not like seven minute videos. It's also got treatment guidelines. Like if you can't remember what you're supposed to go to, it has, hey, think about this class of drug. And it has the list of the different medications. It doesn't have the brand names, but it has Lava and it has the actual drug name so that you can up today because it's time. <clears throat> That's something I plan to use and show patients. I think that they would really like that. Hey, we'll watch this video together. We have the app for the pocket guide. Oh, do they? I didn't look. There you go. You have to go online. It's helpful. I think it's something to the more you know. Hey, this is that celebrity that was my patient one time. Um, so just quick, quick business. It's not long. We'll get out of here. So this guy is 53-year-old guy. I don't know how old he is, but he looks kind of 53-ish. I think about it. Um, so he's got group B. COPD. Think about somebody that's got group B COPD. What, what's their symptoms? When is it controlled or not controlled? Uncontrolled. Controlled. What about exacerbations? Not zero or one. Yeah, zero or one. So somebody's not having exacerbations, but is having symptoms. So he's already on Spireva Handy Haler because you just typed it in the EMR. That's what popped up and he used it. Um, and he's having difficulty breathing because he can't take the deep breath, just like my other patient. So what's another llama that you could suggest? I need like brand name and device type. Okay. Yes. Yeah, Good job. Um, you could try a different device like the ellipto. Um, I, I just think for this specific patient, probably, probably not good, but here it is. These are your, your base ones. PD starting out, spirea. <laughs> All right, so which questions are you guys going to ask people when you see them in the clinic um, to determine how to adjust their inhaler therapy? Are all your friends faster? <laughs> your friends. Yeah. 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 You can go say it like that too. Hey, are your friends <laughs> okay. So, yes, short of breath on a level ground, your friends walk faster than you. Symptoms. Ask about symptoms. What's the other thing you're going to ask? How many exacerbations in the last Good. Symptoms, exacerbations. If you know that, you can, you can figure out what, what therapy they need next. Key. All right. <laughs> uh, okay. I think that's why I picked this theme, just so I could have this one. So bad. Ask questions. or. <laughs> so bad. All right, so Sean, not specifically related to what you're doing in the lecture, but um, sometimes when patients come in on combination 
where uh, the hospital doesn't have it, uh, I'll like just do uh, individual of the class of each of the classes. Is that appropriate? Just picking a random medication that's in that class, so that I hit both classes. I, it's better than nothing. Okay. I read I read something about that, and I thought it said it's not a, it's not as good, but I don't. I don't know where I read that, if that's even the case. But I think if there's a combo, it's better. If they have the combo, use it. If not, just try to, try to find it. You know, you know what I mean? Like sometimes you're trying to do like eardrops and you're like trying to do the Cipro and the deck separately because people can't afford it. That's better than just saying like, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, if people, if that's the only way they can afford it or that's the only way you know how to do it, I do that. But if there's a combo, it would be preferred for sure. So I think there was a paper published in 2017 by the articles that was, I think. Um, and they mentioned that cardio selective you know, actually did show um, mortality benefit for patients with COPD. Yeah. You, what's your thought on that? And I think it's great. Yeah, can you name a couple? Cardio selective beta blocker that you could use, but I just don't know how, how you actually use it because, you know. It's just, just the study did show that. Just had, I just you know, I've never tried it before in like using that medication before. Yeah, I think you'd you'd want to switch, if possible. I think and this is something I have to look up too because I forget which ones are cardio selective. I thought it was metoprolol and yeah. and uh, tenolol. I don't know that carvedilol is cardio selective. Okay. okay, so it was yeah, like see, that's the thing. It sounds very selective. Right. It has a card. Yeah, but it's not. Metoprolol, <laughs> <laughs> and metoprolol. It has some alpha in it because it has some alpha in it. Yeah. <laughs> I used to know stuff, guys. Now I'm just practical. Why underline practical? Okay. Any other questions?